Well, good morning everyone and, and welcome and Happy New Year. It, it, it had been my hope and intention to have everyone sitting at the front, but it hasn't quite worked, though in the last five minutes we've had some success and, and well, the, the second row is now beginning to fill up. But uh, if, if you would like to come in and make it a slightly more cuddly occasion, then feel free to do so. Um, anyway, it's lovely of you to be here this morning. You know, traditionally the uh, first Sunday after Christmas is the most poorly attended, not only in our church, but in uh, any uh, church elsewhere throughout the UK. So a particular thanks for being here with us this morning. Now, here at uh, Milford Baptist Church, we traditionally, as you know, on the first Sunday of the month, have a reflective service. And it seems to me that that's especially appropriate for the uh, first Sunday of the new year, when inevitably we tend to look back at the year that's uh, gone and look forward to the year ahead. Um, 2016, of course, in many ways, and more of this later, uh, seemed a particularly difficult year, didn't it? Uh, But it's right that our starting point must be to thank God for his goodness to us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Uh, We'll do that now as we stand to sing our first song together. Now thank we all our God. how many of us here this morning have made New Year's resolutions Uh, how many of us have ever made New Year's resolutions put up your hand if you've ever made a New Year's resolution yeah fair number do you know a surprising number haven't and uh, put up your hand if you've managed to keep your New Year's resolution right the way through the year yeah, we we there's, there are no hands up. I can tell you, and uh, we don't even do as well as the average. Uh, apparently, there was some recent research that showed that uh, round about ten percent of people who make New Year's resolutions uh, uh, actually manage to keep them. 
Well, we meet together this morning if the, uh, uh, as the Church of Christ. We're here to praise God and thank him, but we're also here to uh, try and find out what he might want from us. So let's be on the lookout this morning for things that God may uh, want to prompt us to resolve to do. Um, let, let's pray. Dear Lord, we meet together this morning at the start of a new year. You have promised that where just a few people are gathered together in your name, you will be with them. So we welcome your spirit to be here with us this morning. Please direct our thoughts so that at the end of our time together, each one of us will, for some area or aspect of our lives, have a clear and confident sense of what you want us to become uh, or what you want us to do in the year ahead. Amen. Well, as I've already suggested, and I suspect you know it as well, uh, 2016 has felt a difficult year, but I, I would like us still to spend a few more minutes counting our blessings. You know, in the news we hear on the television, uh, see on the television, read in the newspapers, hear on the radio and so on, it all seems relentlessly depressing. Uh, now, I think there are several reasons for this, but the hard-bitten professionals uh, don't think that good news is news at all. They often dis dismiss it as being spin and uh, public relations for very many years. I did an awful calculation. It's actually over 50 years I've been working in radio broadcasting. And my journalist colleagues will often refer to a good news day. And a good news day uh, is nothing of the sort. It, because it's far more exciting to be able to report death, destruction, failure and misery than anything positive in life. And you could be forgiven for thinking that life is getting more difficult for all of us. There was that extraordinary report a few weeks ago that our standard of living in the 1950s was advancing more quickly than it is nowadays. Well, yes, that's perfectly true. But almost every media report made it sound as though this, there was a slowdown of some sort that would mean that our standard of living was going to uh, diminish or crash and there was impending poverty uh, and uh, that in some way this was going to lead to social disaster. Well, I, I think a fair number of us this morning here uh, were alive in the 1950s and uh, pretty much all of us, I think, well, yes, we're all alive for sure in the year 2000. And if you take either of those dates and compare your standard of living now with what it was then, I suspect it is far, far higher. And we'll be very happy if it's able to stay this way. And there are other wonderful, positive figures about the world we live in. You know, in 1950, over three quarters of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. Year 2000, that figure was down to a quarter, and today, using the same measures, less than one person in ten is living in extreme poverty. Now, you know, sure, we need to be concerned about the one person in ten, but there have been the most wonderful advances. Literacy is another indicator that's often used to track progress in education. In 1950, 65% of the world population was illiterate. In the year 2000, it was 20%. And 2014, which is the latest year for which figures are available, uh, it's under 15%. Child mortality, 1950... A quarter of all children born, uh, they knew for sure, did not survive to the age of five. By the turn of the millennium, that had dropped to 8%. And 
uh, for 2015, the figure is down to 4%. And these are really big and really encouraging uh, figures. Like most news stories, though, of course, it's quite difficult to make anything much of it personally. Um, it, it, it is impressive, it is encouraging, but you can understand why uh, journalists find it very difficult to report this sort of thing as being uh, news because it's a, uh, a fact that it's creeping on, it, it's there. Um, and, and so I'd like just for a few moments for us to think about the things that have improved for us personally in our lives. Now, <clears throat> I remember a couple of, three or four years ago, talking to my uh, uh, then elderly father who has since died and asking him uh, what was the biggest and most positive change he'd noticed in his life. I, I think I may have told you this before. Uh, he was brought up in a, a Wiltshire village and uh, he thought about it and mused about various things but he concluded that for him, the greatest improvement in life for him had been water on tap. You see, up to the age of 10, one of the regular family chores was to get uh, water from the village pump. So, uh, perhaps we can spend just a few minutes, and uh, if I can ask uh, you to come up with uh, just things that you think have improved over the period of your lifetime and made life better for you. And please, don't think that anything is too small to mention. I mean, personally, uh, I'm just so struck with the reliability of the car that I drive. My first car was a minivan, and every time you drove through a puddle of water, you know, you dread it when it rained, because it would, it would stop. And I don't know, there was something you did with the distributor head and the hairdryer and it would get going again. So, ideas please of what for you has improved life uh, uh, in, I don't know, the last 10, 20, 30 years. Carola. Let's go for Carola first and then... I'm absolutely with you on that one as, as well. So, Carol is talking about the improvements in communication, which really have been absolutely fantastic. And being, we're able as well to keep in touch with uh, friends and relations with the other side of the world, which is absolutely brilliant. Rose. <sighs> yes. Do you know, it's just coming back to me. You remember when you got up in the morning when you were young and the flannel in the bathroom would be stiff, wouldn't it, with frost. And there were the, there's one thing I missed, though, those wonderful frost patterns on, on the inside of the window. But I, I, think, I think on balance I'll, I'll go with you that central heating is... A, uh, Elizabeth. Uh, that is absolutely right. Elizabeth was talking about the amazing strides in, in healthcare, and it really is truly remarkable. The things that uh, uh, might have gone wrong with our parents' generation, it would have, uh, our grandparents' generation, it meant an end to active life, but now they're either able to fix it or for us to keep going. Uh, within my own family, we were doing the calculation which was simply to do with appendicitis. You know, uh, I don't think any of us would have been around uh, if uh, we'd been born in Victorian times because um, half of us have, have had our uh, uh, appendixes, uh, appendices, is it? <laughs> 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 removed. Richard. I, I think one of the 
particularly with women, for women, uh, and for racial groups and religious groups. Uh, you know, if you look back to 19, even 1960, you would have seen the capital proposal totally Yeah, I, I think that's an important point. You know, really, we need to be celebrating and appreciating the improvements as they happen. I mean, we all pray that these things will continue, but it's so easy to sort of fall into the trap of being negative about what hasn't been achieved uh, whilst not recognising the achievements there have been and somehow we've got to hold those things in balance Jonathan supermarkets I you Jonathan I again I'm really with you on that supermarkets in my view are absolutely terrific now if I say if, if I say broken biscuits you many of you will probably remember the old grocer's store where you had to queue for ages and ages and you know some would rush around they move the ladder around they climb up the ladder get the the cornflakes from the, the top shelf or whatever it was and people do get nostalgic about the broken biscuits because if you recall the biscuits would usually be in those tins Carol, this is before your time that's why you got the puzzle <laughs> right, would, would be stacked generally in front of the counter weren't they and uh, of course because they were in tins a lot of them would get broken and you could buy vast quantities of stale broken biscuits for virtually nothing at all. And it's very easy for us to look back on that with you know, such positive nostalgia and feel that we're missing out because we can no longer buy broken biscuits. I tell you what, you go round... Waitrose or Sainsbury's at certain times of the day and look out for the person who's got the machine uh, that produces those little yellow stickers and you can get the most wonderful food for a fraction of the price that, and, and the choice, as Jonathan says, is, is marvellous. Uh, perhaps enough of that for the moment and thank you for all uh, participating. Um, do as the week goes on bear these things uh, in mind and I, I think perhaps we should sing a couple of verses of um, a hymn I suspect a lot of us sang it, uh, when we were at school even uh, praise to the Lord the Almighty let's sing a couple of positive verses uh, of that <laughs> a couple more verses of uh, that in a few moments uh, maybe um, 
for some of us, uh, 2017, uh, sorry, 2016 will be best remembered for some of the less positive things. Uh, first, dare I mention Brexit? Uh, the public discourse on this has really been disturbing, hasn't it? Characterised by dishonesty, uh, impatience, irritability on both sides. And it, now it appears that the extent to which our politicians and certainly the bureaucrats will want or will be able to deliver an outcome that will satisfy people uh, does seem doubtful. Many of us feel uncertain about the future and some of us even feel fearful. Then there's the astonishing outcome of the American presidential elections. I mean, given his public pronouncements, you do wonder how Christians could possibly have voted for, for Donald Trump, but they did. And what is also absolutely clear is that the so-called Christian right, if they'd not voted for Trump, he would never have got into the White House. That, that I find very disturbing. Some of us feel terrific discomfort about Russia's intervention in the American presidential elections. Um, then, surely for us as Christians, the big thing are the continuing and utterly evil actions of uh, ISIL, Daesh. Uh, but there's no simple solution, is there? Uh, least of all uh, in the conduct of, of the war in Syria. There's the desperate plight of Christians in the Middle East and living under Islam. Um, of course, December the 26th uh, is for us St. Stephen's Day, the Feast of Stephen. Long, uh, long uh, an important celebration in the Christian calendar, though um, now largely ignored and perhaps it's time to bring it back. Stephen, of course, was the first Christian uh, martyr. Uh, Christians in the Middle East are once more being persecu persecuted as never before. And there's this, this really disturbing thing that stubborn and dogmatic, it seems, the European governments and the United States administration refuse to call the wholesale killings of uh, Christians in the Middle East genocide. And it's been almost impossible to get even our own government to uh, admit that there's a particular problem for Christian uh, refugees. Uh, those Christians who survive the new barbarians uh, become refugees with absolutely nowhere to go. Uh, many of them are assigned to all faith asylum houses in Europe and there's mounting evidence that uh, they, they continue to be tormented there. I don't know whether you picked up the news story just the day before yesterday. A Christian in a, a refuge hostel was stabbed by a Muslim refugee just because she'd been seen reading her Bible. So we surely are living in a time when forces such as Islamic State inflict torments on Christians to uh, rival those of the tortures experienced by the early saints. Uh, so the, there is a lot that's going on that is disturbing and as we enter the new year of 2017 there's uncertainty about those things and and it can be, well, dis depressing and disturbing. What I'd like to do now is to invite Richard Rowe to come and uh, pray uh, for us uh, about some of these things. Thank you, Richard. Let's pray together. Father God, at the turning of the year, we want to praise you for your changelessness. 
we want to praise you for your changeless love to all of us. And thank you that we can put our hand in yours and move forward into the future in confidence and hope. Father, we thank you for all the gifts you give us, the gifts of peace and faith and love. And this morning we want to bring to you our world, which is so beautiful and so full of possibilities and grace. Lord, we thank you that you have created a wonderful place for us to live where there is enough food for all and we are so often amazed at people's love and self-sacrifice. Father God, we are also aware that the world is often full of hatred and division. And we pray that you would heal our world. Heal it from warfare, heal it from pride and heal it from selfishness. As we have experienced changes and chances out of our control in 2016, we pray for the dispossessed who are always at the mercy of others. Father God, we do pray about the situation in Syria, which is so desperate and so hard to understand and hard to know how we should pray. But we do pray for grace and peace and justice. And Father God, we pray also for the United States uh, with the new incoming president. Lord, we pray that you would stay his hand. We pray that his behaviours won't become the norm for that nation. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as a people and as a nation to retain our integrity. Father God, we pray for our own nation, riven with division and uncertainty, with divisions between young and old, rich and poor. And Lord, we just pray particularly today for Theresa May and also for Justin Welby, as they have put out such positive and thoughtful expressions for the start of the new year. Lord, we pray that those expressions would help to heal our wounds and that we would be people who would seek harmony. So Lord, we thank you so much for your love that we experience here in our fellowship and we pray that more people would come to know you and love you and find the peace that the world cannot give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Richard, thank you so much. Uh, let's uh, stand and sing a couple of uh, more verses of that uh, lovely
So we've reflected a little on some of the challenges facing the church worldwide and the persecuted church. And now I'd like to suggest that we spend just a few minutes uh, thinking about our own church here in Milford and, and the church in the UK. It was uh, what, well over a year ago that David Marson said he'd be standing down as our minister. And I'd like us to thank and pray for our church leaders and the uh, group of members who are searching for a new pastor. You know, we really have been very fortunate in having James Wood with us during this period, because it seems to me anyway that his skills and sensitivities and his involvement have very usefully extended beyond what you'd uh, normally expect of uh, a youth pastor. Um, clearly, things can't stand still during this period and they shouldn't stand still and there's been a tremendous amount of positive things happening in the work we do with children and young people but this is in the context of uh, changes yes within our church and in the UK church uh, uh, that impact on us as well one of my roles outside this church is as a director of the Premier Christian Media Group and we've become very aware of the ways in which churches throughout the UK are changing and the changing behaviour of individual Christians in relation to their local churches. The fact is church attendance is overall in decline and we do see it in our own church. It Maybe, of course, that some of it is because of uncertainty as a result of not having our own pastor, but it is a process that is going on anyway. There used to be regulars at church on Sundays, people reliably and constantly involved in uh, church life, and we benefited from that enormously here in uh, our church. You, you know, uh, oh, I think of Ken and Phil. Well, that whole generation of people who were always here, other than the two or three weeks of uh, the year when they be off on holidays. But now a pattern is emerging that even amongst the most involved and committed, they're away, and the UK average now is for. Uh, one week in three, I suspect, uh, for many of the older generation who are, as, are coming into retirement, that is pretty much the figure for our church as well. And that makes a big difference. And that is inevitably going to have to be taken into account at some point in the way we organise life in our church here. Then there, there are the ways that generations communicate with each other I mean, rather differently now than they used to because children with sporting activities on Sunday mornings uh, don't always attend church even though they have Christian parents who want to bring them up within the, the faith and Sunday mornings always used to be the traditional time for family church attendance. And, it, well, it does seem odd to many of us that children are now, or seem to some of us, so separate uh, from what we might think as being the life of the church. And so it's very easy when you look at the pattern in relation to our uh, service with children, with young people and with the elderly, to begin to ask the question, well, are the people who are here on Sunday morning separate from the life of the church, or are these activities separate from the life of the church? And uh, uh, I think particularly for those who were brought up with a, a completely different, well, a different cultural way of doing things that we need to come to terms with all of that. The truth is, of course, there's a tremendous amount that is going on. Um, there is an absolute boom in Christian social uh, action and involvement. Uh, and many young Christians are very engaged with online activities and it's very easy for us to remain completely ignorant of that and uh, to miss it. Um, 
I'm Philippa. I wonder if you could join me for a few minutes because, as you know, Philippa uh, leads the work with children in the church. And I, I, we don't have time this morning to be comprehensive and to refer to every aspect of the activities of the church. But I think it would be great to have an opportunity, Philippa, for you to tell us about what's happening with the kids. You know, they disappear out the back. Indeed, I say disappear out the back. They're out the back for pretty much all the time the service is on. And a lot of us are not really keyed into what's happening. Can, can I sort of hand over to you for a few minutes? The first thing I'd like to say is that I'm talking about Sunday mornings, specifically Sunday mornings, but I would not want you to think that our only work in the church is going on on Sunday mornings. On Friday night, James is running um, a questers group for the younger children, which he is now bringing down in age. So it used to be seven upwards. Um, It's now coming lower than that. And he is doing a fabulous job of getting parents on board and becoming leaders in that group. That is so important because nowadays parents don't open the door, kick their children out and let them go off to something on their own. Uh, Probably didn't in the winter anyway, but maybe in the summer they did. And now, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit funny about that, but not terribly funny. But now we are not seeing in church children whose parents have no interest in church. Um, And so that work on Friday nights is such an important work and the numbers are going up and up and up. We have a pool of children who we know we can keep in contact with because when we run our Easter holiday club um, and we start the bookings, it fills up just like that. And so we then have to say, sorry, full. We have to say that partly because of the premises, which is huge. Um, And we also have to say it because um, of the number of leaders we have helping, but um, both of those things combined. And, um, and, And it's fabulous because we now have those contacts. We have those email addresses. We have those mobile numbers. And so we do have contact. I pray for more contact in the village with people where, especially with children, where parents aren't interested. Um, in church, but but we are so blessed to um, to have this um, Easter holiday club within our church. Sunday mornings, um, I expect those of you who were here two years ago will remember how there seemed to be a sudden drop. We were doing nothing differently, and there seemed to be a sudden drop in the number of children we were getting here on Sunday mornings. And there would be mornings when, they would, when the person at the front would say, oh, and now would the children like to go out? And you'd look around and there'd be no children to go out. And this was a really, really powerful wake-up call to us because we could see how children were dropping, um, children's numbers were dropping on Sunday mornings. And sometimes there'd be one. Sometimes one group would be operating, but not the rest. And sometimes there would be one in one group and one in another group. And so we were running those two groups because we were saying we run the group even if it's for one child. But the truth was that our groups weren't geared towards having older children in the group as well as younger children or vice versa. And we were having to think on our feet. So David Marston asked me um, to sort of look into this, which I did. And as a result of that, I got in touch with the New Wine um, Church in North London, where actually my son and, son-in-law and daughter um, were going, where they were running a very successful children's work. And I, I contacted Becky from there. Well, in fact, I contacted their person, and he said, well, actually, we've trained someone else, and she's going off to another church now. And I contacted Becky, and James and I went to see her. And, um, and what she had to say to me... I just thought, do you know what? She's absolutely right. You know how sometimes you, you puzzle your way through something and you say, I, I don't get this. And, and you think and think and think. And then someone says something and you think, that's it. That's it. And as she spoke to us, I could see that we needed to be radical. And, and, um, and she gave us this, you could call it a model, but it's not a... It's not a finite model, you know, it's changeable. But she said, I really recommend you run it like this to get the feel for it. 
So I came home and I shared it with the CLT and I said this will mean that the children won't be coming in on Sunday mornings into the service. And the CLT said, well, we don't have children at the moment in the service. So go ahead. So on April the 17th, we started Kids Church this year. And um, we, uh, we did it not in a holiday club way, not in an Easter holiday club way, because we weren't looking to do the same thing. Um, but at Kids Church, I want to tell you what our aims are. Okay, we want the children to not know about God. We don't know, want them to know stories about God, stories about Jesus. We want them to know God. We pray that they will know God for themselves. And that is our passion. So actually, if we take a Bible story, we will tell that Bible story, but actually our, our input will be in how that applies to them and their relationship with God and how it applies to their coming week and what they can do in response to the main point that we have brought out in that Bible story. And we are really, we're learning. We're learning. Please don't think that I'm saying, we know how to do this. <laughs> don't say to any other church yet, oh, we've got this sorted. But we are learning and we are really seeing, um, seeing our passion come through in the, light, in, in the work that we're doing with the children. So we're not, we never have been childminders on Sunday morning. We've never done that. We've, um, at, at Easter Holiday Club, we are entertainers. We do entertain the children. But on Sundays, we want, we want to make sure the children are occupied and happy and doing. But we're not just here to entertain them. We're not just here to hold their attention. We're not just here to carve up the time so much that we say, oh, children can't concentrate long, so we'll do two minutes of this and two minutes of this, and then would you pop up and do that? We're not doing that, because actually we're taking them much more into slow, deep learning. And times, and don't we all need this, times of just being and knowing God's presence with us. And we're doing that on Sunday mornings. We are also spending time on Sunday mornings, and this is what is cutting out their time of coming into the service, because we are, when they arrive, we want to make sure that those children are getting to know one another, and we're building community amongst the children. We're playing games with them. We're getting down there, and we are getting absolutely stuck in with them. If ever you want to come and join us for that 20 minutes, just come and tell me. And if you can get down and do and get, you know, when I say down, you can sit on a chair and do it. It's not about talking to them and telling them and thinking you've got to teach them something. You haven't. It's about playing a game with them, and, but not telling them how to play it, but exploring it with them. Oh, what are you doing now? I'm just wondering whether this might work or how should, how do you think I could make this do? And let them, and we're just, that's how they're getting to know one another. Um, so we're playing together to build community. We're getting to know God, as I just said. We're working together. We're doing team games together so that we're not just working competitively against one another, but we're working as a team. We're doing things as a team. That's what we need to be doing as a church, doing things as a team. And that's what we're doing with the children as well. Um, and we're talking to God together Sometimes we do it all at the same time. You're talking, I'm talking, we're talking to God. Sometimes we take turns and we go round. And in fact, in my group, we have a sound button, David, I hope I'm not going on too long. And, and um, we, we have a sound button that goes round and the beginning of the prayer might be, thank you, it might be to do with the theme of the morning. So we might be learning today, um, you know, in our story today, that actually we can be brave for God. And we might have been thinking about things we're scared about. And then we might have taken a Bible story and looked at a situation in which someone was scared. And then we've been talking about it. Stanley prayed the other week. He said, our beginning of our prayer went like this. Um, it went like this. Um, Jesus, thank you that your powerful love in my heart is bigger than... And Stanley took the button. He played the button. Jesus, thank you that your powerful love in my heart is bigger than, he said, monsters. Oh, isn't that important to a child? Monsters frighten me when I'm a child. 
I think they're under the bed. I think they're behind the door in the dark. I'm scared. Don't you go on about this and go on about that, my Sunday school teacher. Didn't you know I'm scared of monsters? Well, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And he is greater than your biggest fear. Oh, it's, it's such exciting stuff. So, we're learning all about those things as well. And sometimes we're taking it in turn, sometimes we're praying together, all at the same time. We, and this, is our, this is our climax next to each session. We're having Holy Spirit time. And we're lying down and we're shutting our eyes. And we are using our mind's eye to see whether God is giving us anything in our mind or through our senses, our hearing, a picture of something he wants us to know, something he wants to teach us. Here are some of the things that I think you've already heard some. But I just want you to hear this one. In the week when we, the theme was, I can be powerful, it was David and Goliath. This is what Nicholas prayed, said, he didn't pray. After our Holy Spirit time, when his eyes were shut, we struggle sometimes to get them to settle. But this is what he said when his eyes had been shut. He said he saw in his mind's eye that he was falling down a pit in a volcano. But God was there at the bottom. That's Nicholas, year three. Another time, uh, we were doing I Am Priceless. And that was, the gist, that was the theme of our story. That was the main point. And this is what Molly said. I dreamt of lots of gold bangles and jewellery falling from above and God saying to me, you are priceless. This is so meaningful for us as leaders. And the children's pictures are speaking to us. And each week, when they go home, we send a takeaway sheet and we ask the parents in how specifically and ask them how they, ask them to and tell them how, how to carry on the work that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. Please don't expect them to be angels because the Holy Spirit is talking to them. They're children. And sometimes they'll be pickles. But we love them so much, and so does God, and that is what they're learning. Thank you, David. Philippa, that was really terrific, and thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much for explaining it so powerfully to us this morning. It's absolutely fantastic. I'd I'd like to say, whilst thinking about the work of this church, also a few words about Mechanics for Africa, if I may. Uh, it just would not exist. It would never have existed without the support of this church. Uh, not just the past support to get it going, but the support that keeps it going. And we're so blessed as well now to have uh, Jason and Claire Stonia running for us. Um, there are times when the unpredictable challenges seem insurmountable, but the Lord really continues to provide in most wonderful ways. You may remember that uh, just before Christmas I spoke about our need for access to water and our our well appeal and uh, how I must admit I've been doubtful that we'd be able to manage to do much better than last year when we had actually raised a little over a thousand pounds for for meals. well, we, we set ourselves a, a target of um, £2,500. Now, uh, in truth, that wasn't going to cover all the cost of the, uh, uh, building the well. We made an internal uh, um, uh, uh, amount available for that as well. Uh, but as it turns out, um, to date, uh, over £5,000 has come in. And that will cover the entire cost of building the well. Not, not much left over, but it is really terrific the way that the Lord provides. Um, the, the trustees have been asking the question as we should, if we're operating as effectively as we should. Um, we have uh, come to realise that we can make even better use of the land and skills that uh, we have in uh, Zambia and 
um, our planning expansion and uh, we made uh, um, an application to uh, a grant making trust called the Bite Trust which uh, uh, um, supports work in southern Africa and received the good news just before Christmas that they've awarded a £30,000 grant to build new classrooms and to improve the facilities there so that is really terrific um, it means that for a period at least we will need more support from the UK I, I do hope that we at Milford Baptist Church will always want to maintain and develop the special relationship we have with Mechanics for Africa but also it can't now be as it were an exclusive relationship um, we will be needing the support of the wider Christian community in the UK and if you've got thoughts about the ways we can achieve that then please do have uh, a word with me so it would be great to have uh, your prayers for the uh, wisdom for uh, uh, Jason and Claire as they plan for the future and for the trustees Jason and Claire are going to be with us for the next 18 months and we need to arrange a smooth transition we don't know who will be taking over uh, from them so um, uh, th there's a lot happening there and it is happening, let me say, as a result of work that was started and has been supported so wonderfully uh, by this particular church in, in Milford. Um, there are, of course, many other areas of church activity, uh, friendship club, pastoral support, um, wonderful play school, but uh, time doesn't allow me to say much more this morning. I think, though, uh, perhaps uh, we could have uh, a, a brief pastoral update. Uh, Dave had a word with me just before the service to mention uh, uh, news that he'd received, and in, indeed Fred is already aware of this, but I think we'd like to mention it to all of you as well. I got a text before the service from Jim Willis. Um, she's had a, a bit of a fall out um, of the West Country. Um, she's not broken anything, uh, but they had to. Uh, she spent about four hours in AD. Um, she's damaged her knee in some way, um, so she's on crutches. Um, and so they had to fetch her back by train, wheelchair assistance, etc. So she's at home. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. And uh, after Dave mentioned that to me, Fred also uh, put me in the picture about it and may have a bit more detail. So afterwards, over coffee, you may want to ask uh, Fred uh, uh, about uh, June. Perhaps we could spend uh, a few minutes with uh, prayer and let it be extemporaneous prayer about the life of our church here um, if uh, I'd like to invite you all to um, if you want to to uh, uh, pray briefly for whatever aspect of the life of the church you, you feel moved to pray for this morning so let, let us pray together Dear Lord, hear our prayers. Amen. During our next song, we'll uh, take our usual collection towards the education of uh, children. If I can uh, have a couple of volunteers to take the tins round, that would be great. Um, but we'll get the blood flowing by standing to sing our next hymn, a wonderful hymn, O Breath of Life. Come sweeping. <laughs>
seated. So we're coming towards the end of our service now, but um, I think now we should spend a few minutes uh, reflecting about ourselves, our individual working and personal lives, Um, maybe thinking a little about the past year, certainly thinking about the year ahead, uh, the pressures of daily life, our ability to cope with the challenges of life. Um, And it's an opportunity perhaps for us to pray about what Richard was referring to on Christmas Day. Um, The the gifts that uh, God gave us at Christmas. Grace, Peace, love, hope, faith. Um, I'd like to add one to to that wisdom. Uh, Which of those things do you think that you need uh, for the year ahead? Um, I don't know why, but I'd I'd also like to, um, to share with you that most oft repeated bit of advice in the Bible which is one of reassurance Um, it's expressed simply in the words don't be afraid in fact the words to the effect of don't be afraid occur so many times that um, if you ever google on the internet you will come across the claim that it appears 365 times in the Bible, once for every day of the year. Uh, Like so much on the internet, let me tell you, that is a complete myth. But we do come across the words time and time again. Uh, And in relation to Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Samuel... David, almost every one of the prophets says it at some time and in relation to almost all the circumstances of life. And, uh, of course, our Lord says it as well. He says, uh, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. 
you are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, So let's take just two or three moments to reflect about our personal lives, uh, our family lives, the, the things, our working lives, the things that are important to us personally and to uh, wonder whether the Lord wants to ask us to do something perhaps bold for the year ahead. So we'll remain seated as we continue to pray and we'll sing this uh, lovely prayer together. surprising number of us here this morning were around in the year 1939. The reason I mention it is uh, the extraordinary passage from uh, George VI's Christmas speech to the Empire and it might do for us here this morning. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness, put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Let's uh, end our service by singing a grand final song of confidence in God's love for us.
let's now then say the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. And let's meet for coffee out the back. If you'd like someone to pray with you, please come to the front. Thank you.